goodness, everyone. It is 2022, and it is time for the first episode of the Score of the Year. (laughs) Welcome back, everyone. I hope everyone had a as restful as possible break. I did, we're in this sure. the the era of Omarion. <laughs> there's a, there's ice boxes where our hearts used to be. <laughs> it's winter in Minnesota. It is nine degrees out, but we're doing the best we can. Yeah. And like I said, this is the score. As usual, I am Rocky Jones, the what is my title? Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion Director at Minnesota Opera. And as usual, I am here with my perfect partner in podcasting performance. The Oh, wow. Ooh, do you like that? <laughs> <laughs> the principled and very pretty Paige Reynolds. Oh, okay. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> and I, I un- should just have you record that intro for me. Well, it is, it is recorded. <laughs> I could just take a snippet and you can use it for whatever you like. <laughs> Let's, just keep that. Let's just keep that. Okay. That. I wish mm-hmm. I, I should have a pop filter for all those peas, but anyway. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, um, our dear Lear Bynum is feeling a bit under the weather today, so he will not be able to join us, which... Mm, but in his place, we have our favorite guest host, Mr. Frankie Charles. Welcome Yay! back to the show, Frankie. Happy New Year. Um, Happy New Year. It's great to see y'all, as it's always. It's good to see you, too. It's good to see you, too. How, how have you been? I feel like I haven't seen any of you in, like, six weeks. And trade secret we, we haven't actually recorded one of these in like two months <laughs> that, we banked our content so we could take a break um but yeah how are you how are you both doing staying warm trying to trying is the operative word yeah yeah I try but you know I have to get outside my my dog was acting like it wasn't like mildly blizzarding outside and just mm. wanted to I was like surely after like 30 seconds or something she'll want to go inside she was just like no let's go around the whole block let's run straight through the snow let's let's uh sniff the yellow snow let's um uh, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and and then like really got the zoomies at the end and was just like running around in circles but she's probably asleep now so it's it's all it's all good How's she doing in booties and her puffy jacket? She's That's what so I love. Cute. Dogs and <laughs> you know, the jacket is, it's great that she's warm. It's a, it's a struggle though, because she just gets so excited to go outside. It takes so long to put the jacket on her because she will not sit still. Oh, and we have to, we have to keep playing the game of, I'll wait. <laughs> sit back down she knows what she's supposed to do so if you just stop and you give her the i'll wait face then she'll sit back down next to the door and be like okay i'm sorry you guys <laughs> anyway with all that said i haven't been able to stay that warm because i gotta take this dog outside see <laughs> yeah see that's why you need a cat <laughs> <laughs> The problem, though, is that, you know, my cat is a is a summer baby. She 
we have like a little sort of closed off sort of porch area between the house and the garage. And so she goes out there in the summer, the hotter, the more humid, the better. And she just like lays out on her back and just stretches and sleeps all day. She's the happiest thing you've ever seen. You go outside, she's like a big smile on her face or she'll jump up in the window and just like patrol the whole neighborhood and all the squirrels and rabbits and dogs and things. But in the winter, you have never seen a sadder, more depressed being in your entire life. She, <laughs> she's just laying on my bed right now. Every time I go in, she just lifts her head up a little bit. Like, is it summer yet, daddy? And it's like, no, I'm sorry, sweetie. <laughs> if I could, I would. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's just, oh, the vibes are just, well, the vibes are kind of like everyone, I suppose. <laughs> right now um the vibes are all over the place the vibes are just <laughs> wild <laughs> uh, but did you all have a nice holiday break did you all do anything special or exciting yeah yeah I drove to Michigan to to see my family um me and my partner went and that was really, that was really nice. It was Mm. just, it was good to see them. I, uh, you know, got to catch up with my sisters and my nephew. He really loves it when I visit and (laughs) it's cute because he misses me, but he's gotten used to, yeah, like Auntie Paige comes and visits for like a week or a few days. And then she goes away for a long time and then she always comes back. And (laughs) he's kind of got used to it. Um, it was good good to see him and I actually had a super proud moment with my sister because she's in in school she's doing um online classes at Berkeley and um is taking a music theory and composition class oh, right okay. now bless her soul um <laughs> or, or was or was and she was so worried about it like I know so many musicians hate having to learn theory she was so worried she would be stressed every time we talked favorite. about it yeah. yeah it's nobody's favorite nobody's she was so stressed about it and this girl got an A okay. in the class she got oh. an A work final yes her final was ridiculous. They had to compose something with all kinds of rules and it had to have A, B, A, B, C structure. It had to have this many instruments and it had to be handwritten. Um, oh my god! All of that original composition. And I believe it was supposed to be almost like a film score. So they gave a scene that you were setting it over. This girl, she composed her own little original bossa nova like track for the film intro. She got a like perfect score. Her she we listened to her professor's feedback, and he okay. had anything to say. He was like, "Well, you could have done this thing here, but there's nothing wrong with that. It's fine. It's actually fine." Like he had nothing bad to say for a very hard course, from what I hear. So I'm so proud of her, but also okay. I knew she could do it because she's always been just like musically gifted. Come on, black excellent yeah. in music school. Shout out to Olivia. That's my sister. Yes. Shout out Olivia. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Frank? Did you do anything cool? Uh, I stayed home, uh, took the week off from work to get to spend the last week of the year with my partner who's out working in Dallas right now. Uh, shout out to them. Um, they drove all the way up here on Friday, the, 
what Friday was Christmas. Um, Christmas Eve. Uh, Christmas Eve, yeah. Yeah, so they drove up um, Christmas Eve, it was like 14, 15 hours, and then Ooh. drove back to Dallas the following Saturday. Uh, they hit a snowstorm in like Missouri, but got there safe. Uh, and so I'm just very thankful that I got to see them because it's been two and a half months and it will be another two and a half months of a contract mm. up there until they're back and we'll see what happens next. Such is the life of a production person and someone who, I don't know, I've landed here for right now at least. So Well, then we're all the better for it, but long distance, it's hard. Yeah, it's not yeah. fun. Yeah, we did we did it for two years been there hoping mm. the time passes quickly yes for, for y'all <laughs> absolutely absolutely yeah no, it's, it's definitely passing quicker for them while they're running shows <laughs> and yeah. while i'm stuck in the snow here which is this is their favorite season so i was gonna say they also have a more a lot more sunshine to work with mm-hmm. uh, down there in the process so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well but if you know last winter is any indication they <laughs> they might be getting some some snow and ice yeah and the whole world could stop down down in texas if if it's not careful so who knows <laughs> who knows but i hope i hope the best for for texas in this season because last year was rough last year was a lot that was wild yeah <laughs> yeah i was like y'all on your own power grid did this happen how the layers of just (laughs) what (laughs) i just feel like we learned so much (laughs) that i just simply did not know and i don't think they did either right (laughs) yeah and yeah it's wild hearing some of the thoughts of their co-workers down there who had to like live through that and then like my partner is just like living in a hotel right now, which isn't ideal because hotel living for an extended period of time is not that fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe it's better. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> well, I know on the last episode, if you all listened to the the last clip show, the last pure black joy of 2021, I was like, I'm going to be in DC and seeing my family. <laughs> and thanks to Omicron, that did not happen. Um, you know, sadly, my, my stepfather um, had to be hospitalized for non-COVID reasons. Um, but we just figured that with all of this insanity sort of sweeping the country that better to be safe than sorry he's fine now he's out of the hospital shout out to will um and recovering but so i just stayed here in minnesota and my husband and i just you know did new year's on our own here on the couch we spent christmas with uh, his family and which was lovely um you know it was pretty quiet just sort of trying to breathe and relax into what has, you know, so far shaped up to be quite a year already. Oh, yeah. I mean... I keep starting emails with, I hope the first five days of January have treated you well. (laughs) (laughs) And then I think about the first six days of last January, and I'm like, um... (laughs) 
listen i feel like i still think (laughs) last january i was just like surely you know the beginning of the year is usually chill there's usually like people are recovering from the holidays you don't feel like doing much and now i'm just like well anything could happen literally literally anything anything there could be a blizzard that takes out half the power somewhere there could be i don't know people stuck in their cars for 24 hours on i-95 yeah there's that so (laughs) the world's full of surprises and of course everyone's getting covid Oh, that too. We haven't learned anything in the last year, but okay. <laughs> oh. We hope everyone out there is staying as as safe and healthy as possible. Um, you know, get your boosters, get your N95s if you you can't stay at home in your bunker. Um, because <laughs> it's the wild, wild west out there. My God. But, you know, as we go into 2022, um, you know, we're thinking about sort of just the state of things, much like we were last year, Um, you know, with, you know, we are hearing more and more about performances that we thought were going to, you know, happen, getting canceled. As of of now, we are still planning at Minnesota Opera to... uh, to putting on the anonymous lover at the beginning of February, cross our fingers that we were still able to do that. But, you know, I was just curious, you know, just asking the two of you all, now that we are in season three of this Panopticon, which I guess is fitting. (laughs) I don't know, like, what are you thinking about, like, what do you, looking forward to if anything in 2022 or how are you feeling about the state of things right now when it comes to the arts and live performance i'm a little torn personally yeah so last uh earlier this week i got an email officially canceling um i had gotten tickets to milwaukee rep to see um a show called tony stone um uh that is starring well my friend Kedron Spencer is in it and she's lovely and she's amazing and a, basically Tony Stone is about um a black female um baseball player uh and how she like broke into the league and Kedron plays mm. Tony Stone and I haven't seen her since we worked together in Maine in 2018 and so it was just kind of a bummer to get that cancellation, um, but I, I get it um, with everyone coming back from holiday stuff. And I'm not surprised that like this first week of performances got canceled, but I do hope I get to see her show. And if you're in the Milwaukee area, shout out, go, go see her show. Um, <laughs> amazing. Um, but yeah, definitely a little torn because as much as it would be nice to get to see art again, I mean, we're very much not out of the woods yet. And very much. I just feel like maybe, maybe the arts could use some more, I don't know, film training. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe that's where we're headed. Maybe. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, ugh, I think the biggest thing for me right now, especially was just like, uh, my experience, like going to get tested this week and it was like a two hour line and wrapping through the very large building. Um, I don't know. This stuff is depressing. Like, That's the thing. And it's just so exhausting. Like, I just feel like, is it like the mass neglect i'm just and i'm just like are people not mad that we've been like left to figure this out like this are people not like are we just like used to be i i don't know i'm gonna try not to go on a political rant but it was sad (laughs) it was just sad (laughs) basically yeah public health right now is looking real trash especially Hmm. in comparison especially for what's supposed to be the wealthiest nation in the world or one of them like i don't it's just I, i mean yeah I was sad. I was angry. I was, I, and I don't know. I don't know. And it's just like the continued grief that people are dealing with as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and when it comes to the arts, honestly, I kind of feel like we need to be sat back down <laughs> 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 because I, I don't know if everyone, um, uh, retained and applied the lesson the first time so <laughs> there's in a way like I welcome it like I would welcome another complete close everything I just wish it would come with like the support like financial support or whatever so that it doesn't mean businesses having to close or mm-hmm. like people not being able to operate ever again like i that's that's the thing i just want all of us to be paid to stay at home for a while well, you know that's that <laughs> that's i mean that's what is. you've been saying for the last like two years <laughs> that like in march 2020 if we'd all just been like paid to just stay home for a month then probably wouldn't be here but you know we would have taken all that money and spent it on drugs i guess so we can't have it (laughs) i mean or i guess if you're a millennial avocado toast or avocado toast or (laughs) (laughs) destroying the american cheese factories of america (laughs) we wouldn't have been going to the shopping malls anymore like they want us to so what's the (laughs) malls were on their way out before the pandemic they just you can't blame millennials for everything we ain't do that we we are not responsible i mean american cheese malls what else (laughs) did we destroy diamonds (laughs) the diamond industry (laughs) everything everything it's all all our fault (laughs) taking away all of the joy in the world i guess that's fine (laughs) (laughs) what would bring me joy would be if our country could forgive student loans. <laughs> that's that's my when you said the <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. And you just think about how much 
that would just immediately just make, you know, people's lives just easier, better, could contribute more to the, the economy. That apparently is the most important thing. <laughs> more important than having people to, you know, engage with the economy. But I get, let me not get on a political rant now. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I, I feel you both. You know, I, one of the things that I think is going to happen in 2022, or at least I have my fingers crossed, is that once we are past this Omicron peak, you know, I'm sure there'll be another variant that pops up here and now for from now until the end of time. But, you know, speaking of those lessons, you know, the lessons of 2020 and the lessons of 2021, I do think and hope that, you know, some great art is going to come out of it. You know, that, you know, people are going to sit down and really take stock of this era and just the new world that we're living in. Because we already see just the way that, you know, the pandemic and, George Floyd and Dante Wright and Breonna Taylor and all of these lessons that we've learned over the past couple of years have just opened up all of the, like just made just plain, just all of the fissures in every facet of our society from healthcare to education, to politics, to getting on the bus and going to Starbucks and getting a lot. and that, you know, especially, especially younger generations are, are going to look, you know, back on this period. And I just hope that, you know, the arts institutions that are still here and still standing like us and, you know, like all of our, our peers will be there and ready to welcome these new artists and their works um, and be ready to support them um, in all of the ways that we have laid out. over the course of the last year um but that's something that you know I try to remain optimistic even though it's (gasps) it's a chore (laughs) it's a chore nowadays (laughs) yeah that's real like staying optimistic is sort of like a job in and of itself at this point it's it's tough but with community, it's possible. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, that well, reminds you know. me to mention the reminds me to mention the people who also, you know, have had to quit because they have to take care of kids or mm-hmm. sick loved ones or yeah, people in their life with long COVID or mm-hmm. like people who, who become caregivers to children when they didn't expect to like all kinds of stuff like that too of just like or 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 just straight up like I'm not gonna risk my health for for my job and I'm in a job that is um, interfacing with the public or around people or they're not giving proper PPE or they're not enforcing masks and all kinds of really messed up reasons like that too. Um, You know, that's the situation that, you know, Dennis is in right now. And I feel mm -hmm. like every morning, I feel like perhaps we, (laughs) we talked about this early on in the pandemic, but still, you know, he's got a a job where he has to interface with the public and we live in a state where there is no 
mask mandate currently. Um, and I just feel like every morning I'm sending my husband off to war <laughs> and I don't know, you know, when I, I trust that he is taking all of the proper precautions that he can to keep himself and, and me safe. It's everyone else that I'm worried about. Yeah. 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 It's, it's never, yeah, it's always the other people. My mom's at a retail job as well. And She's not allowed to enforce masks. She's not allowed to necessarily protect her staff. Um, and that's just where her company is at. And it's unfortunate. Uh, she hates it, but <laughs> she's yeah. one of those folks that feels stuck. Uh, so I definitely, I feel for you and uh, your husband going to war. My mom jokes frequently now at this point that she just wants to get COVID. Um, so that... <laughs> No, she no, 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 no. <laughs> and that's the thing. It's like my mother, a lovely woman, battled cancer and is now like dealing with a bunch of elderly white folks in a hallmark and not able to protect herself and again or protect her staff and is in an unfortunate management situation where she doesn't feel like she can do anything for them. And being on the risk like the the end where you're hearing about all of this it's frustrating yeah. so it's, it's scary yeah and being removed not living with my mother is nice but i worry about her all the time no and of course and it's like especially just thinking about the way this is disproportionately affecting communities of color um because we are the quote-unquote low-skilled workers <laughs> who have to get on the crowded buses and subways and whatnot and don't have the choice not to expose ourselves and our families to this uh, oh 2022 <laughs> what do you have in store <laughs> what do you have in store well speaking of which do you all have any resolutions Things that you all want to do for yourselves oh. in 2022? You know, I didn't make an official list, hmm. but the thing that comes to mind immediately is that I would like to meditate more. Yeah. Even if it's just like stop and pause for five minutes. Because hmm. um, that definitely builds hmm. up into a habit for me if I, if I can just do that. So that's one of my goals. That's a beautiful thing. And it helps manage anxiety a whole lot when I stop to, when I remember to do it regularly. Oh, absolutely. I need to remember to get up and move more. I, especially with working from home, I'll sort of like plant myself at my desk and like, I'll like go around in a little circle because I've got like a swivel chair. <laughs> like it's not getting up and moving around. <laughs> I need to like move my body a little bit more. <laughs> so that will be my that will be my resolution well you know actually i can tell you frankie that that was my resolution last year and i'm <laughs> sitting here in a hoodie that i haven't been able to wear in like three or four years so i actually kept that resolution so i mean i'm just saying cool all right it it, it, it works and you feel better <laughs> i'm proof positive that getting up and, and walking around or lifting something heavy every once in a while um it, it's cool and you get to wear cute clothes so <laughs> yeah, no and my important distinction is I can't just end up walking in like circles around my apartment my apartment's fairly small and so it's very easy um 
Yeah, but like going somewhere, a walk outside, great idea when it's not below freezing. <laughs> when it's not below freezing, I will send you a video. And it's very, it's fun. You can, it, it's just basically like walking in place and like doing some little aerobic moves oh, like for a half an hour in a small space. It's four small spaces. And she says at the beginning, like, if you don't want to go outside because it's cold, and it's just like, perfect. <laughs> it's perfect. And I'll, I'll put it in the, I'll put it in the show notes too. <laughs> you know, something I do when I want to move more that helps is just remembering to dance to what I'm listening to. Mm. But that can be fun too. <laughs> if you want to, if you want to move more or Even, if you know, if you feel like you can't dance, then, you know, bop to the beat, do some squats, do some like something like remembering to move to what I'm listening to helps. Well, I hope everybody move your body to this podcast, I guess. <laughs> body rolls, body rolls. Yes. Well, I guess for me, I I don't know if you all can see, but on my coffee table, oh no, you can't because I've got the blur <laughs> filter on. <laughs> oh, that's a Zoom joke for everyone. Um, but on my coffee table, there's a giant stack of books that I've accumulated over the last, you know, couple of years that I've been meaning to read. Have not gotten to a single one, uh, <laughs> but there are a couple in in 2022. Oh my God, <laughs> 2022. <laughs> I've got to get used to saying that. Um, that I want to get to. Hopefully, that I can purchase from Black Garnet Books the new Black-owned uh, bookstore, independent bookstore here in Minneapolis that is opening nice. up soon. They've been online for quite some time. Um, shout out to Gina for reminding us of that. Um, but, you know, that is a pure Black joy right there. Um, can't wait um, for their brick and mortar shop to open. But, you know, Dennis got me a copy of the 1619 Project, um, you know, edited by the amazing uh, Nicole Hannah-Jones from the New York Times. Um, I'm, I'm assuming if you listen to this podcast, you know what the 1619 Project is. Um, but there are also, for the classical music heads, um, two really interesting books that I have found that I'm really interested in. Um, so the first one is called Dvorak's Prophecy and the Vexed Fate of Black Classical Music. And a few months ago, we had Trevor Weston on and he mentioned, um, you know, a, a, a quote um, by uh, Dvorak, the composer, um, talking about um, how Black music needs to be the foundation of the new American sound. And this sort of delves into that and the history of um, Black American classical composers, um, which is really exciting to me to dive into. And maybe we'll have like a score book club or whatever. <laughs> will you read us some excerpts? I will, I will, <laughs> I will do my best. <laughs> um, but then the other one that I thought was really cool, there was a review yesterday um, in the Star Tribune of a book called I'm Possible, uh, a story of survival, a tuba, and the small miracle of a big dream. And it's a memoir by uh, Richard Antoine White, um, who 
grew up uh, in Baltimore, um, sort of had a, a sort of chaotic uh, childhood, you know, overcame um, a family plagued by substance abuse, um, domestic violence, poverty, to become um, the first Black American to earn a doctorate of music in tuba performance. And wow. I was like, Work. okay, okay. <laughs> that just sounds like a fascinating story to me. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna get that book as well and hopefully devour it by, well, hopefully by the end of the year. Yeah. <laughs> you got it. I have faith in you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. My, <laughs> my actual diagnosed ADHD makes <laughs> focusing on one book at a time hard, but I'm going to do my best. I'm going to do it in 2022. <laughs> well, I hope all of you out there have a beautiful and blessed 2022. I know it's really hard, you know, and even those words coming out of my mouth, I'm just kind of like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we'll try, I guess. Um, but no, really, um, you know, everyone stay safe and stay healthy out there. Um, but the score, we're going to keep going um, because we have lots of Black excellence and joy and goodness and music um, to bring you this year. So many interesting discussions and guests um, that I'm excited to, to bring on. Um, and the first of which is coming up right after the break. We have the incredible, incomparable Broadway actrice, uh, Met opera performer, um, incredible, incredible, just all around cool person. Janina Burnett is on the show today and we couldn't be more excited to sit down with her and talk about all of her experiences on The Great White Way. Hey. <laughs> so stay tuned. We'll be right back with Janina. And we are back, everybody. And we have with us today an extremely special guest, someone who I'm so excited to introduce you all to. We have Janina Burnett, a singing phenomenon and Yay! one of the few singers who <laughs> perform roles both on Broadway and the Metropolitan Opera stage. Mm. She was raised in jazz music, the daughter of jazz drummer Carl Burnett. Janina was surrounded by such artists as Horace Silver, Freddie Hubbard, Eddie Harris, Shirley Horn, George Cables, and many others who inspired her early musical education. However, during her time at Spelman College, Janina chose to take a path towards classical music and continued her studies in vocal performance and literature at the Eastman School of Music, where she received her master's degree in music. Directly following graduation from Eastman, Janina thrilled audiences as Mimi in Baz Luhrmann's La Boheme on Broadway, in San Francisco and LA, which led to her performance on the Tony Awards, as well as her winning the LA Theater Alliance Ovation Award. Okay, come on. <laughs> Snaps. <laughs> Shortly thereafter, Janina's brilliant technique and exceptional character interpretations led to her joining the Metropolitan Opera for their productions of Carmen and La Boheme. And she has since returned from Parsifal, The Marriage of Figaro, La Rondonnet, The Enchanted Island, 
Electra, and many others. Janina made her Met debut as Bianca in La Rondine. In addition to her work at the Met, she has also performed extensively portraying such roles as Bess in Porgy and Bess, Violetta in La Traviata, Donna Anna and Donna Elvira in Don Giovanni, Norina in Don Pasquale, Sophie in Der Rosen Cavalier, Marguerite in Faust, Pamina in The Magic Flute, and Michaela in Carmen, to name a few, in over 25 cities domestically and internationally. Prior to the COVID-19 shutdown, Janina appeared as Carlotta Giudicelli and the innkeeper's wife in Phantom of the Opera on Broadway while simultaneously presenting solo concerts of diverse musical styles as well as opera roles. Janina is inspired to assist the generation succeeding her and privately teaches some of today's rising stars while regularly presenting master classes to students at colleges and educational institutions worldwide. And on a personal note, Janina is just one of the loveliest people that I've ever met, just so generous with her time and her gifts. And we're so excited to have you on the show. Thank you so much, Janina. Yay. Thank you. Yay. It's my pleasure to be here. It really is. I'm so excited. Oh, we're so excited to have you and welcome mm -hmm. to the show. Um, I mean, you have a resume. <laughs> My God. I mean, I don't even know where to begin. I have so many thousands of questions. Um, but, you know, one of the things that I was reading, I was reading about your, your album, um, Love the Color of Your Butterfly, which I just think is such a beautiful, um, such a beautiful sentiment. And reading that it was a piece of advice that was given to you by your mother. And, you know, with that extensive list also of just like mentors and, and your dad, folks that you grew up with, you know, I'm just curious, you know, what was that like, you know, having such an incredible, you know, the, just this, all these incredible mentors around you growing up and how did that lead to the album? Um, well, it's so funny because oftentimes I hear a lot of my colleagues say that they're raised in church and, you know, they went to church every Sunday and everything. And for me, I say that I, I am raised in jazz and my, with my dad's concerts, I would be there, the Playboy Jazz Festival, the jazz, the Drew Jazz Festivals, all of the festivals in the Wax Jazz Festival, you know, we would be there. That was my church, you know, and with that came presentations from all of these wonderful artists. Um, and so because, um, you know, people would always see me and I was really small when my dad was really playing a lot and I would be in his lap as he tuned his drums. Um, you know, people, you know, the, the people knew who I was. And as I grew up, they began to ask me to do different things around the festival. Like, so I was entrusted with getting Shirley Horn's fried fish <laughs> during, one, during one festival. And it was so interesting because everyone, of course, knew that I wanted to sing that by that point. I was in high school and I was considering where to go to college and you know, figuring out where my path was going to lead me. So whoever decided that I was gonna be the fried fish getter knew that, you know? Um, and so I had a chance to ask her, I didn't know what to say, but I, with my very best, you know, interviewing skills, I just was like, you know, Ms. Horn, you know, what, what is the advice that you could offer a young person who aspires to do what you do, who aspires to sing and, and, and uh, tell musical stories? And she, you know, she was just like, just keep doing it. 
And at the time, I thought she didn't care. I was like, well, she's just tired. And she, you know, she just wants to eat her fish and get on with her day. <laughs> but that is one of the biggest pieces of advice that has really stuck with me. You know, uh, just keep doing it. You know, when it gets hard, just keep doing it. Um, so to answer your question, it was, it was very rich uh, to be around these musicians and um, those who made their homes, made their musical lives in music. It was, it was normal, you know, it was, it was, it was human, you know, so I really enjoyed it. Ah, jealous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of fun. A lot of, there were parties. I mean, cause you know, musicians, we like to hang and because sometimes the, uh, the, 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 things can be so strict, you know, uh, it's nice to just let down with your uh, with people who understand you and allow you to be really who you are. Um, so I do quite fondly remember the, um, the parties uh, and the intense conversations and, uh, and the positive words that uh, I still hold on to today. Wow. You know, love the color of your butterfly. Um, so you know, what exactly does that mean to you? <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. It's so funny because I, you know, of course I've asked this question quite a bit mm -hmm. and I feel like my answer continues to evolve. Um, at first it was like, oh, it was a, it's a saying that my mother would say to me whenever I'd be like, oh, well, she's doing it that way. I should do it that way. Or, or they have this over there. I should have it too. And she would say, no, Janina, you've got to love the color of your butterfly. You know, and it's such a beautiful sentiment because now more than ever with the advent of, of social media and so many things that we're bombarded with, we see, you know, other people's lives. We see other people's, you know, sports highlights reel, you know, reels. And uh, we, we, we feel like we should compare ourselves. So I feel like love the color of your butterfly is a wonderful mantra to remember your positive qualities, you know, or not even just positive, but love the completeness of your story. Love mm. your bruises and burns and your ugly places and your positive, positive places. You know, it's it's all of that because that contributes to the fullness of who we are. You know, um, and so you know, on the micro level, it's you know, really don't compare yourself to other people. But on the macro level, it's you know, loving all that you are so that you can come out to the world and and bless it, you know? Mm -hmm. The world wants you to be who you are. So with this album, I wanted to really truly display um, the biggest parts of my musical journey. Um, and, you know, it, it is a journey that, um, you know, is unique. And this juxtaposition of jazz and classical is one that I received a lot of, um, you know, when I wanted to do it in, in school, they were like, are you sure that this is something you could, you could do? Is this possible? Like there were, there was a lot of naysaying and I was like, you know, whatever, I'm going to do it. This is what I want to do. This, this matters to me, you know? Um, so it is definitely me loving the color of my, of my, my musical butterfly, my physical butterfly, all of these things. 
it's you know <laughs> that's so beautiful because that is just such that is a message that so many people need to hear right now yes you know with all the the instagrams and the tiktoks and the listen to me i sound like i'm <laughs> 80 years old these kids on the tiktoks <laughs> but i mean it's, but it's true though and you you just get bombarded by all of these things telling you that you're not enough yes you know, you know as just, i said yeah go ahead sorry no 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 go ahead please <laughs> yeah like it's like i said um the sports highlights really like mm-hmm. only the high high points you know you don't see the trenches that people had to go through to get where they are you know and it's that that makes you uh that uh, makes the wonderful sweet parts of who you are you know yeah absolutely so, those those 200 other pictures that they did right. post. <laughs> exactly. 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 I think about how the past, I mean, year, almost couple years now too, Ooh. we've had more reflection time than ever to, you know, look back on who we are and like come to a sense of, of pride and, and, and oh. joy and like in that reflection. And so, I mean, that leads me to wondering like what the past a uh, couple years now, I, like, yeah, of this, um, this pandemic, this, all these social changes, what has it been like for you as an artist? And how do you think it's prevent, um, presented new opportunities or challenges for artists of color in general? Well, that's so wonderful, because that's another iteration, I feel like, of Love of Color Free Butterflies, loving mm-hmm. and knowing uh, the places from whence you have come, uh, so that you can go into the future, you know, go into into your present and into your future positively. And I can definitely say for me, these this past couple of years, I found a lot of um, uh, wonderful love and comfort in understanding what the ancestors have laid out for the foundation they've laid mm. out for us. Mm. And in Love the Color of Your Butterfly, that's another thing I wanted to present that this is not something that's new and I'm just like, oh, jazz and classical and this is, you know, today, this is what we're doing or right now, you know, Duke Ellington, you know, he, there was, mm-hmm. he did that, you know, and and the power of the spirituals, how that hits, continues to light our way um, in, in varying genre realms um, and in and the art form, the art song form, how that lights our path of activism, a lot of people, a lot of us didn't even realize, I didn't even realize that Af- African-American art song was a tool of activism. Mm-hmm. And that was seated in the classical music genre. Uh, but we used that as to, to say our truths and connected with the poets of the, the Harlem Renaissance and, you know, uh, and, and just created these wonderful elements. And it's a part of our past, it's a part of the story that so often we don't get to, or we don't know. So I have found a lot of comfort in going back uh, to go forward, reading wonderful books and understanding about the the path that was charted, understanding those names that uh, we don't hear often uh, and calling them and saying, yes, Claudette Colvin, I know who you are. You know what I mean? Just understanding, yes, it's given me a lot of uh, comfort to know my past in order to go forward. Um, and that being said, I feel that uh, this during this difficult time, understanding that a lot um, of my colleagues 
I've been seeing them do the same and searching their own hearts for ways to present their arts authentically outside of the social structure that says you've got to do your art like this, you know, to, in order for it to be heard and seen. I believe that this time really gave us, gave all artists a chance to break free of, uh, you know, the, the boxes that we were placed in. And so from that, we've seen so many wonderful things. We've seen singers do talk shows. We've seen, mm-hmm. um, you know, different kind of concert presentations and all kinds of things. Um, and I really think that that has uh, invigorated our art form and invigorated the craft. And we've heard from people that we don't even hear, hear we just hear their singing and we know their voices, but we don't ever hear their stories. So this gave us a chance to really hear from people that we don't get to hear from at all, you know? So it's been really positive, I think, you know, in the midst of all of the unrest and, um, yeah, sometimes you've got, it's got to get real nitty gritty and ugly before it becomes, before the flower blooms. I mean, but like the butterfly has to go through the <laughs> We don't know what the, the butterfly is doing in it or the caterpillar is even doing in there, but they're changing into something that is completely different. And, you know, taking that point about the the blooming right this sort of mm-hmm. efflorescence that we have the opportunity to see i think about artists like you who have managed successfully to straddle multiple fields at the same time and i feel like there's so much that companies like ours can learn from your perspectives and what it is that you've seen and we don't take nearly enough opportunities to sit down with artists and say what can we get better? How can we be better? How do we meet the needs, especially of underrepresented artists more? Because I think it almost goes without saying that we have not centered the experiences of performers of color in the ways that we need to, especially on the classical music side. So I would love to hear some of your perspectives on what change we might be able to make on our end to be able to allow artists like you to shine as brightly as you would like to? Such a good question. I believe that, um, you know, it's all storytelling. I believe storytelling Mm -hmm. is such a big part of this whole thing. Um, And I feel like the more stories that we can hear from, you know, the the more stories that we can get that really uh, uh, will create such a beautiful blanket of, of life in the arts. Yeah. Um, and so, and I believe that the responsibility falls upon us as well to really delve in and find the creativity in our hearts to present new kinds of works and present the things that people told us we couldn't do mm-hmm. um, and have conversations about how these things might come to fruition. I really believe that's what time it is. We, you know, the the ancestors and the greats of the past have definitely laid this foundation and they've done that work. So I really believe that it's time for us to do the work. And the content is out here. um, And I think that it just, I think what we both can do is what we're doing, have a wonderful conversation about the possibilities, about content, um, about things that will make Every, everyone, the audiences enjoy themselves. You know, I was thinking the other day uh, when I was in Bohem on Broadway, Baz Luhrmann's wife, uh, 
she was doing, she did the costumes and she did the set and whatnot. She's a visionary, wonderful woman. And um, she was doing my makeup or something. And she was, she said to me, we were just joking about something. And she's like, well, maybe we should do the opera in a rap. Like, I guess she was, she was trying to connect with me, thinking, you know, but I was just, and at that time, it was 2003, it sounded outlandish. But now, look what we have. We've got Hamilton, we've got Freestyle Love Supreme. We have, we've gone places that we, that were just like, we didn't think we could get here, you know, because someone took a chance to do something, to find a different way to tell some stories. So I really believe that innovative storytelling uh, on both our parts is a big, is something that will definitely move us forward. And I think that the innovative storytelling will give way to hearing from more kinds of people, which will then give way to the expansion and the inclusion that we all seek, <laughs> that, that we want, that we desire, that I desire for sure. You know. Absolutely. And, and I think it's been really important that artists of your caliber have also been committed to that storytelling. I've seen you in Voodoo. I saw you I must have been 30 times in Harriet Tubman. Um, and, you know, I think really also having these established gifted artists investing in either these lesser known or newer works that are pushing forward. This storytelling yes. is really, really important for getting these stories on the radar screens of companies like ours, for sure. Mm -hmm. Indeed, and there are people that are out there doing it and pushing the envelopes, and we have to find a, a, a safe place so that all of us can kind of come and, and share and be able to share. Absolutely. You know, and I think it's also, you know, very important to, even in these, you know, more established pieces, you know, Phantom, you know, oh, yes. for instance, you know, we were talking before you jumped on about like Phantom has been running for decades. We <laughs> <laughs> will be running for the rest of our natural lives. <laughs> um, and just taking down like those sort of invisible barriers, like why can't we have a Black Christine like Emily Coaccio and have mm -hmm. you on stage at the same time as Carlotta? Um, so I'm just so interested in that experience um you know what has that been like for you um it's really been quite joyful uh to see her come out there and to see her you know come into the company um, beautifully and positively and take on all of the information that she's getting and step <laughs> out there and be positive and beautiful uh it has really been a blessing I've really enjoyed watching her work. And I've really enjoyed the response from my colleagues um, who have been there for a number of years um, and who want a, a lot of people, they want the change as well, mm -hmm. you know, and sometimes they feel uncomfortable because they don't know what to say or what to do. And then, you know, asking me, you know, but, but the questions and the conversations are happening, which is quite beautiful. Um, so yeah, I'm 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 thrilled, and we also have Lindsay Roberts who joined the cast as well as uh, oh, wow. a swing, yes, as a uh, internal swing. So that it's been lovely to have those ladies there with uh, with me, and I'm just I'm really happy. And also Patricia Phillips is also um, a vacation swing for now as well, and she was the first Black uh, Carlotta. So 
yeah and so it's really nice to have that have the sister girls there with me. <laughs> I can imagine. I can Woo! imagine. We were talking about hair the other day, and I was like, yes, <laughs> <finally>. <laughs> so it's like we've we talked about this a million times on this show, but like when I first started here at Minnesota Opera, I was the the only black person on full time staff. So now it's like Lee and Paige here as well. It's just like, oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, for the three years that I, I'm now the, the only black full time uh, uh, person. Uh, but when I before those ladies came, I was the only one in the building. So and prior to me was Heather Hill. Um, same same for her. So yes, indeed, it's it's nice that others are coming in. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, one other question that I had for you. Um, so, you know, when I was, I grew up, I was a Broadway baby in my little theater program in Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> and I moved up to, to New York at 18 and I was like, my, life, my name's going to be a light, so I'm going to be a Broadway star. <laughs> and obviously, you know, things took different turns and I went in different directions. But, you know, as somebody who went up there, you know, went to New York, has this incredible career, Black woman, what um, advice would you give to other young Black performers who, who come to New York and, and want to have a career um, as rich and illustrious as yours? Well, definitely the first thing is what Miss Miss Horn said to me, keep doing it, mm -hmm. because that you find is so often you just are like, forget it. I'm not, I'm not dealing with this. I'm not doing this. And, and you, can, you just don't want that to allow your passion, take your passion away. <laughs> you keep, you find the ways to kind of make it work. And you may, you may, may find that it leads someplace else or you may find, you never know what you'll find. But I definitely say, stay on the path, you know, um, and keep doing it. And the next thing I would say is don't knock being versatile. Mm. Versatility has been always a part of my story. Um, I just, because I love singing everything. I love singing what was on the radio. Uh, I love singing different things that I heard at church. I loved hearing the jazz music and singing that. And then when I got to Spelman and I saw them sisters singing, classical music, I said, I got to do that too. I wanted, there, I wanted there to be nothing that I couldn't do with my voice. And I didn't know that it would serve me so well in my future. It was just something that was a desire of mine. But a lot of people were like, no, you have to focus on one thing and you can only do one thing. And if you just, you just do that, you, 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 you know, and I, I just, to that, I say, be your wonderful, versatile self because you will work more. <laughs> that, is, that is the truth. Amen. Work more, and even mm -hmm. the singers that I look toward, like um, oh goodness, I can't remember the lady's name who, who taught at Manhattan School of Music, Hilda Harris. She sang backup for you know, like Aretha and all of the sisters of the mm. of the Motown thing while she was waiting for her opera career to do more. She was able to go and do that, you know. So you never know what you can do. Keep your options open learn different kinds of repertoire. And that's not to say that you don't spend enough time on it. Your practice must be serious. You know, being versatile does not mean that you're not giving enough time to one, you know, you have to practice and hone the craft. That's key. 
Okay, so that's another key. Then. <laughs> <laughs> we get you. We get you a keychain. <laughs> yes. Be versatile and you know diligence in your practice and solidity solidify your technique. Mm-hmm. How you use your instrument. If you can play your instrument, you know you can you can do anything. Yeah. Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. <laughs> that is sage advice from one of the masters of the form. And we are so grateful for your time today, Janina. Um, I will encourage everybody to go out and get your copy of Love the Color of Your Butterfly. And Janina is also actively touring in addition to her work in Phantom. And we will make sure we include in the show notes where you can find her, where you can hear her, where you can see her so that you can also experience her gifts. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. Thank you you for having me. It's such a pleasure. Absolutely. This was so fun. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And we will be right back with Pure Black Joy. Woo! All right, and we are back, and it is time for our favorite segment, Pure Black Joy. Hit it, Paige! It's peanut butter uh, jelly uh, time, uh, peanut butter uh, jelly uh, time, uh, peanut uh, butter uh, jelly uh, time, uh, peanut butter uh, jelly, uh, peanut butter uh, jelly, uh, peanut butter uh, jelly, peanut butter jelly, peanut butter jelly. This is my favorite segment, only because of that. <laughs> Well, for our first PB&J segment of 2022, I'm going to hand it over to the lovely Paige. Thank you, Rocky. Um, so both of mine are like Black television related. Oh, so is um, mine. Yeah. So I had <laughs> one that I told y'all about, but then I thought of another one. First of all, before I forget, um, just congratulations to Issa Ray. Yes, absolutely. Lisa, the legend, the moment, the it girl, Ray. I insecure just ended. If you ain't watched it, if you don't know what I'm talking about, get on HBO right now and find out. I have loved Issa's work since the show was a since she had a YouTube series, Awkward Black Girl and the one that this show developed out of. And so to see her show Insecure on HBO, um, if you didn't, if you haven't watched it, it's written by Issa Rae, a black girl, a dark chocolate black girl Mm -hmm. from uh, LA and writing a show about a black girl (laughs) similar to her, (laughs) Um, who is, awkward and relatable and figuring stuff out and it's about her friends too and her dating life and being young gifted and black and the trials and tribulations and it's just so relatable and has been such a joy to watch so just congratulations that is one of my pure black joys right now I don't know what I'm gonna do now that it's over but you know find something else um (laughs) uh and the other one is uh, selling Tampa Girl. on Netflix. <laughs> Get into it. Get into it. Listen. No, my, my friend Melina, shout out to Melina. She talked to me. She was like, girl, have you watched this? And I was like, mm, no, because I, I just, 
I want to watch it. I want to watch it. But like Selling Sunset is just not my jam. I think real estate stuff is not for me. But she was like, no. (laughs) (laughs) You have to sit down and watch it. It's different. I was like, okay, all right. Yes. I'm I'm open, but keep going. (laughs) I I think you'll like it. I think it's, it's different. I haven't watched Selling Sunset, but from what I know about it, this seems a little different. I mean, one, it's a it's a black woman who owns like a real estate company. They're focused on like luxury homes, and it seems like they're especially like moving more and more into doing exclusively that. So it's interesting to be at a point where they're like growing. You know, um, there's a team. Her team is all women of color, um, mostly black women. So. There, I think there was one part even that was just like so relatable. Like I almost cried about like what they were saying about just like- Really? <laughs> about like, you know, ha- about the struggles of getting to where they've been at or being underestimated or being like, there was just some things that were very specific in there to being like a black woman or femme having to navigate the prof- professional settings or- starting your own business or having your own thing like there was some stuff that I was just like "Ooh, I feel that and like (laughs) it's there was some things that other I don't I haven't commonly found other reality shows getting to in a relatable way but I think part of it also is that but also it's messy though but there's also messiness but the thing (laughs) is it's not like to me a lot of the mess is like relatable real life kind of messiness not like extra like clearly the producers egged you on not like real housewives messy no 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 bad girls club definitely not there (laughs) like no it's it's like the kind of mess that that you could relate to working on the job or dealing with the person who you know acts like a boss but they're really <laughs> not on not doing their job or the one who is really good at their job but is a little unprofessional a little wild sometimes um there's you know the struggles of I, I remember what what it was that really got to me they were talking about um the the interplay of like their personal lives and their professional lives and having all this on their shoulders and how they felt like they couldn't be honest about personal struggles or other struggles because people may underestimate them in their professional life and in them as real estate agents or their ability to, oh, you sure you can sell this? Are you sure you can do that right now? Seems like there's a lot going on. Mm. And I'm like, that is, that's real mm-hmm. <laughs> relatable, especially since, you know, Black women often have a lot going on. So yeah, I know so many who've had that same struggle of not wanting to admit how much is on their shoulders at the moment so anyway it's good it's good just go watch it just okay it yeah. sounds <laughs> deeper than I thought it was gonna be definitely yeah it definitely deeper I think it goes there and like has funny moments too though like a lot of it's, it's funny all right well we'll have yeah. to check it out selling Tampa okay <laughs> get into it there's a cute little dynamic too of like older kind of black women who are more experienced and those who are younger like I think a couple of them are younger than me who are just oh young. okay so mm-hmm. there's the generational there's a little bit of everything love it okay. loved it okay all right <laughs> well we'll have to check it out well <laughs> um well I kind of feel like 
I left everyone hanging when we took our Sagittarius season sabbatical with The Bachelorette. (laughs) (laughs) And so I guess we should finish that up because it is it is done. Michelle has found her her love, her boo thing. Um, And, you know, so when we left off, they were on their way to Minneapolis and they did like two or three episodes in Minneapolis. And it was surprisingly boring, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. There was just like some very low stakes drama. Like, oh, they went to like the, the Stone Arch Bridge and Lake Minnetonka and like, you know, the what's that place? The the Mills Ruins Oh, the Mill City Ruins? That's it, yes. Okay. They had dinner there. You know, it was cute. Um, But it was just kind of like, you know, they went to the Viking Stadium. They went to Target Field. You know, it was kind of whatever. When it got interesting, however, was when they got down to the Final Four. And this was the first time on The Bachelor that there's a Black lead and all of her Final Four were also Black. What? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yes. Well, maybe the world is healing. I mean, I'm just saying. <laughs> and there was not an F boy in the bunch. They were all like amazing, like lovely and sweet, nice boys in their own way. So the decision was like, which one of these nice boys is right for her? <laughs> I feel I like that's it. not I know. how the Bachelorette goes. No, usually there's like some like messy villain who like sneaks in there to like, you know, disrupt the proceedings and just like be terrible and misogynistic or whatever. And like, this was just like, you know, there were like, there were these four nice men. There was Rodney, who was so sweet and was so into her, but it was like, no, she's not going to pick him. He's nice, but like, <laughs> he's not for her. And so he got, you know, cut in um, fourth place. But then down to the final three, it was just like, okay, so Joe, who was the one who was from Minnesota, who played basketball and she played basketball at the same time, like on paper, like they were just like loving basketball, the movie, like (laughs) just like everything like in common, like, and he's so nice. And then he was telling like, I'm so in love with you. I never, I never felt a love like this before. And it was like, ooh. But then you had Brandon, who was just the sweetest, like the like the best high school boyfriend you could ever like, because he looked like he had a baby face and he was just like, just love bombing her. And like her parents just loved him. Like I thought like her mom was going to start like greasing his scalp and telling like sharing the sweet potato pie recipe and like (laughs) (laughs) like it was ridiculous and he's just like girl I love you so much and like sending her like cute little love notes and little tokens and then like on like the morning of their overnight date they got into like a food fight like you know in the hotel room and it was just like it was just cute and it was just like oh no well, now you should pick Brandon. <laughs> but then 
there was Nate and he was like kind of the f boyist of them all but he was still nice and charming and lovely first of all fine as hell six mm. eight of course the f boy <laughs> boy yes. is one of them <laughs> <laughs> but, like, but like even he like wasn't like they were trying to like edit him to seem kind of f boyish but like even he was just like super nice and just was like just very honest about uh-huh. like I've never been in a relationship like this before. I am falling in love with you, but like, this has never happened to me before. And like, I only brought two suits with me because I thought there was no way that you were going to like me this much or that I was going to like you this much. So I don't know what I'm doing. Am I doing this right? I'm in love with you. (laughs) And like, so finally he was able to sort of come out of his shell and be like a little bit more emotional. And then like, once he did that, you were like, it was like well, Michelle. He is he's very attractive. So <laughs> I mean, I'm just I'm just saying. Um, so you know, she has these three amazing choices. Who do you think she got rid of in third place? Nate. No. Okay. Brandon. No love and basketball. Oh, Joe. Yes. Damn. Yes. I was always going to say, I thought the end of the love and basketball was a little messed up, but okay. <laughs> it was. Well, apparently so did Michelle. She did. <laughs> and I didn't want that for myself. No, thank you. No, thank you. <laughs> wow. That's, was, yeah, that's kind of... Wow. And, and it was so messed up because like when she met his family, um, the sister-in-law, when she was out of the room, um, was like, I hope that she picks him because we're going to have to see her in the grocery store because we live very close to each other. (laughs) 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 Uh, It's going to be awkward at the cub. It's so awkward at the cub. We go to the same (laughs) (laughs) co-op. But I won't keep you in suspense anymore. She picked Nate. She picked the the hot one. Um, Uh and then it was so sad Brandon she just broke his little heart into pieces and he was crying that's the one mama loved mm-hmm. and she took he took the the ring that he got for her and threw it on the beach and oh. it was it was very sad but apparently they are super happy um their mamas are best friends now because like the mom when she met Nate was like Mm-mm, no not him he's not the one pick Brandon we want Brandon (laughs) and so but now like their moms were sitting next to each other and they're like we're best friends and we love Nate and he's amazing and then the show gave them $200,000 for a down payment on a home because he said he was going to move here to Minnesota to be with her oh I know I know okay so hey, black love, black home ownership. It was Can a. We have them on the show. We should have them on the show. <laughs> Michelle and Nate and Joe. <laughs> but so that was my that was my pure black joy because I just love seeing black people in love and getting their accolades and their coins and it was just a beautiful thing. So. Congratulations to Michelle Young. Now we have to sit through this season of The Bachelor with 
they did not pick any of the black men in the top four to be the next bachelor. Go maybe figure. They were too wholesome. Well, like maybe they were too wholesome because apparently this new dude in the preview, he like is with like the, the top three, and he's just like, I just have to tell you, I have been intimate with all of you. So, and then all the girls run off and they're crying. Like I can't believe you did this to us. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, I'm gonna watch you with the mess. <laughs> but no, it's it's not wholesome black love. <laughs> Hopefully next season or the season after. Yes, yes. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. But so that's my pure black joy for 2022, Frankie. Uh, mine is over our break. I watched The Harder They Fall, and I, I love a good action movie. Um, I didn't really, I wasn't really into westerns before this, but like. I got to watch this with my uncle, which was very nice, and he loves westerns, and he, his sentiment, I think, is what really made me love the movie, and essentially it was he wished that this movie, as it is, had come out when he was younger, um, because then it really would have inspired a lot, like, a, a whole other generation of of black actors um and like i'm so glad that these names are in the movie because like oh my god everyone was so good the music is so good and it is just such an awesome movie it's because it's it's regina king and yeah it's hold on i've got it up uh jonathan idris alba zazzy beats regina king delroy lindo Lakeith Stanfield, R.J. Seiler, Danielle Deadweiler, uh, Edie Gottke, and Dion Cole. And like every, every scene in this movie was so beautiful and so intense. Was really intense. I love, <laughs> I love a good gritty movie, and that's exactly what this was. Uh, everything about it was just so good. Netflix did a good job, even though I think the last time I was on the podcast, we were kind of shading Netflix because of other transactions. Oh, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, they don't get a pass, but they do get like half a gold star. Um, I guess I'll give them (laughs) this movie was really good (laughs) Um, but yeah if you haven't seen it yet I highly highly suggest watching it and just being being ready for like a really just really lovely ride Um, yeah look at you like you have chills yeah no (laughs) that's the thing like I sat through that movie and movies don't usually like hit me but there have been on it's in I don't know how else to say it but like the last time a movie gave me chills like this one did it was Harriet with Cynthia Erivo Hmm. it's like every time I listen to that to her song from that movie too I get I get chills and I'm just like oh so powerful and like again this movie is super powerful and I hope I don't know. I hope young 
young actors see it and are like, I want to be in a, I want to be in a, a Western and just like shake up what we think of Westerns because like there were, there were black cowboys, there were, mm-hmm. there were many different types of cowboys out in the world and there are still actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's not, it's not completely in the history books. Like this is, there's still people doing this and uh, man. Yeah. I'm just going to keep groaning about how, how much I love this movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's just always awesome. Cause I feel as though, you know, the older I get, the less, you know, I find, especially with movies, they're able to sort of permeate my hard, shell <laughs> my hard cynical shell um so to have a movie you know take you there give you that experience it's just such a magical thing you know and especially yeah. like as a a film major briefly you know knowing exactly what happens behind the scenes um you know has sort of taken some of the magic out of it for me so when those rare occasions when I'm sitting in the theater and I get like transported. I think like that hasn't happened to me since like Black Panther, mm-hmm. I think was the last time where I was just like, I felt like I was like 13 again. And I was like, this is so cool. <laughs> but it's, yeah. a, it's a beautiful thing. It really is. I, I'm definitely waiting for a piece of theater to do that to me because I think it's lost its magic for me, but there's hope. There's always hope. There's always hope. There's always, There's always hope. I feel you. Yeah. <laughs> There's always new creators like Isa. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, who are on the horizon who are ready to make something new. Um, so that's my hope for 2022. I think as yeah. I said earlier. <laughs> But I think that's going to be our show for the week. It'll be a relatively quick one for us, y'all. <laughs> um, just want to thank uh, Janina Burnett for being our guest this week. Please go and get her album um, everywhere that fine music is sold. She's also got a couple of performances coming up. So if you are in the Toledo, Ohio area, uh, she's got a performance of uh, Samuel Barber's Knoxville, summer of 1915 with the Toledo Symphony on January 15th. And she'll also be making appearances as Carlotta in Phantom of the Opera on Broadway. So check the show notes for links to all of those things. And I just want to thank both of you. Thank you, Frankie, for subbing in. For Lee, Lee, I hope you feel better. Get well soon. We will see you hopefully next time. And thank you, Paige, of course, for being you. (laughs) And um, thank all of you out there for listening. I hope you all had... um, as restful a holiday season as possible and a as joyous a 2022 as possible we will be here for you slinging this mess that we always do (laughs) and um if you want to hear more um the best way to help us out is to leave us a five-star review on apple Podcasts. apparently you can do it on spotify now too so Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. So five 
Finko, thank. No more, no less. Well, more <laughs> if you can, no less. <laughs> um, if you want to leave some words with that review, that would be exciting. Um, send us an email at MN or the score at mnopera.org. Um, subscribe and share it with your friends. I think that's everything, right? Share it with your friends, subscribe, great I mean, review. I think so. If anyone knows um, <laughs> the folks from this past season of The Bachelorette, send them the episode. Yes, absolutely. Michelle, <laughs> Nate, <laughs> Joe, Rodney, Brandon, any of yes. you, come on the show. We want to. We want all the tea, please. Piping hot. Um, but other than that, I think that's it. So I think we're going to yeah. skedaddle and we will see you in two weeks um, for our anonymous lover extravaganza! Extravaganza! Ooh. Yes! Yes! <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you then. Alright, have a good one. Bye. Peace.